The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to the Voice. This is a Search Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search Podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, what's going on? My name is Tyson Stockton from previsible.io. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about Google's perspective or Google's view on AI generated content. Joining me today is Jonathan Gillum, who is the founder and CEO at originality.ai. Originality.ai is an advanced AI content detector that is highly effective in identifying plagiarism in texts generated from popular large language models, including ChatGPT, GPT-4, and BARD. It offers comprehensive tool set that empowers content creators to maintain the integrity of their work. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. And with that, here's my conversation with Jonathan Gillum, founder and CEO at Originality.ai. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tyson. Yeah, thanks for having me. Not the first time that we've talked about generative AI on this podcast. And of course, it's been a hot topic kind of throughout the year. But, you know, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I feel like with your background and what your company's doing, you're in a good position to kind of shed a different light and kind of give the listeners and the SEOs out there maybe a different way of looking at this. And to start us off, like, I love the topic of this one because I feel like any of our strategy or how we should be using this should, especially in the SEO lens, 
start with this framework of kind of like, well, what's Google's perspective or how is Google viewing this? So from your perspective, how does Google view AI generated content? I think it's nuanced, like in most things within SEO, the answer is always it depends. But in general, when we're talking about generative AI content, and we're saying we're using it to edit human created, truly helpful content, I think there's no question that Google says that's great. If it's being used in a way that helps the users, I think Google says that's great. I think Google is in an existential threat that generative AI will flood their search results. And the pumping out of a thousand AI generated articles that have been barely touched by a human is obviously against their terms. And I think that's why it's been such a, like, if you're pro AI generated content or anti AI generated content, it's very easy to point to statements from Google that sound contradicting. But in the end, it's Google saying, if you're using it to spam us, we don't like it. If you're using it to complement your content creation strategy with true experts that are helping users, they're saying they like it. And I mean, my answer there all depends on us believing Google, which is always a questionable thing to do. I like that you started on that point too, because it was like, I remember back to the beginning of the year, a lot of like the public statements, you know, coming from Google was kind of like, yeah. And it was like almost more leaning towards being against it or of like, yes, no, we're not for machine generated or it was something along the language of like, content generated by humans. And then I think it was maybe a couple months later, they kind of softened and rolled back some of those statements and left us in kind of our, I guess, our comfort zone of ambiguity within SEO. But I'd like to kind of go down the theoretical path a little bit more with like your response there. And it's something that I've thought about too. It's like, okay, well, yes, with this technology, there's the potential for the barriers and the potential of content to just have this massive explosion of content on the internet. And so from, if I'm thinking like, okay, if I'm in Google's views, that's going to cause challenges within crawling, differentiating between those potential like homogenous content. How significant do you think that some of those challenges or realities, like is that something that you feel like is grounded of like, yes, we are on this cusp of having this just ballooning of content on the web or is it kind of like, eh, it's kind of being blown out of proportion? Yeah, I'd say that the answer is sort of in, in how Google is responding. And the rate of updates that have been occurring in the last few months and the significance of some of these updates with like specifically the helpful content update really seems to be tacking content that has the chance of being AI generated. So, you know, Reddit is a lower percent chance of being being AI generated content. And, you know, it got a massive lift from the helpful content similar to Quora. I think Google is very scared of that risk. It's full existential threat to them that if there's no reason to go to this Google because the results are just going to be whatever was spit out by an AI, then there's no point for going to Google. You may as well go to the source of the AI that provides that content. So I think the ballooning will absolutely happen if they're, I mean, marketers, SEOs, you know, that's, that's the game we play. If, if there's an opportunity, if you get rewarded, if there's a few people that get rewarded for putting up mass AI generated content, the balloon will follow. So it's a bit of a kind of chicken and egg where it's like, if, you know, people are testing it and it is working for some people to put up thousands of articles of AI generated content on sites and having them rank, then eventually getting slapped. But if Google is ineffective at controlling that, then the explosion will 
you know, it'll build from sort of a, a little bubbling to an absolute tsunami of, of AI-generated content. Fair, yeah. It's like the snowball that's kind of like rolling down the hill. It's like gathering traction and getting bigger and to that. Another piece kind of within that is, and I feel like you alluded to this as well, it's like generate or any of these tools, it's a tool that we have to apply and use. And so from the one size fits all, like there isn't just a Google likes this, Google doesn't like this. But at least from my perspective, it seems like the more effective use cases are those deliberate kind of pointed of I'm using it for this aspect, I'm using it for this piece of the step, I'm using it for this type of kind of content. And I feel like that, at least from my perspective too, is a piece of, well, does it succeed? And it's like, yeah, it depends on the type of query that you're looking at, the type of competition that you're up against. Like, what would be some of the factors from your side of advising on where or how generative AI content can be most effective in today's state of SEO? A couple examples. So, I mean, the blanket statement is when the use of it makes that piece of content better for the humans that are reading it, then that is a good use of generative AI. And some specific examples of that are, we have our AI research lead is a non-native English speaker and writer, brilliant guy, and the content that he produces that explains how our AI detector works and how AI detectors in general work is way better than anything that I could produce or a good writer that his English speaker could produce. And so he uses ChatGPT heavily because he writes it, translates it, edits it in ChatGPT, and it's a huge efficiency lift for him. The content is he gets to he can read it well and he can read it and make sure it's accurate. And that's a great use case where you know in the end the consumer of that content is better off reading sort of properly formatted, cleanly structured content that is factually accurate from him versus his sort of like broken English explanation, which is already a hard concept step to understand. And then you're, you're trying to deal with that translation, which makes it even more challenging. That's sort of the one example that we're using a lot. The other example that we see as a great use case is when it's the value on the page is not necessarily the words that the user is receiving. And then the content underneath that is there to support the usage of that. So an example would be a free tool or a data feed. So if it's like a stock stock price or stock analysis, and then the content underneath that being AI generated to provide some narrative, as long as it's factually accurate, it's great. It's sort of a, they're not there for an opinion, not there, they're there for the data or they're there for the free tool. And then the use of that generative AI to produce some, you know, the value isn't in the insight that is provided in the words or the human experience provided in the words. It's in the other components of the page that the visitor has come to. And it feels like in a lot of those scenarios, it's different orders, different applications. Like in the first example you gave, it was starting with human-generated unique content and then a layer or then the usage of generative AI on top of it. And it feels like the consistent piece, though, is still having that layer and element, a human addition to it. Again, like if I was going back thinking like, okay, what are potential challenges from a search engine perspective, homogenous content where it's like, yeah, if every single article is the regurgitation of the same basis information, just set a little bit differently, there's not, it's almost like the same risk or the same challenge of why duplicate content would be 
not beneficial to a search engine because it's just servicing the same information. Would you say that like that mindset or that perspective of like what net new am I offering to the knowledge graph, to the community around a topic is a framework that people can use in kind of thinking of where to apply this? I agree. If all you're doing is copy and pasting from ChatGPT and your input is like it's all their own thought and there is no, as you say, net new or unique thing to add, even if it works, you know, SEO is in the business of finding opportunities and at times and Google's in the business of trying to shut those opportunities down. So I think you explained it really well. And I, I agree. I might even add like, even if it's not new, but presented in a more clean way, like something valuable, something that is, you know, Google calls it, you know, helpful content in the form of its latest update around helpful content update, net new, useful, something that is different than you would get if you just went to ChatGPT and you could reproduce the content via a prompt. It's not net new, not helpful. Yeah, it's almost like with Google SG coming out or, I mean, depending on the market, it's almost like a chicken or the egg kind of like if you're just producing it with that same piece, but then that's also being surfaced in the SERPs, like which one's actually like, why would you go to the page? John, then if you could also just kind of give us a little context into the listeners and myself, like how does your company, like how do you approach detecting AI generated content? Yeah, so I'll start with sort of the simplest explanation and then give a little bit more thorough explanation. But so the simplest explanation of how AI detectors work, and specifically the AI detector at originality, is it's their own AI that has been fed millions of copies of human-generated text and millions of copies of similar AI-generated text. And then it has learned the same way that a human would learn to tell the difference between the two. It is capable at identifying patterns that we would never be able to identify. So there, in previous iterations of detectors, they might say, well, if you have this kind of punctuation, then it could trick a detector. But over time, as a detector gets fed more and more content and a bigger and bigger model is used, it can start identifying patterns that are completely unrecognizable to humans and be able to tell the difference between the human-generated text and identify AI-generated text. So that's sort of the simple explanation. And then it would get more complicated, but probably makes sense to sort of stick at that level. I wouldn't mind going a bit deeper. I mean, I think that helps set a lot of context too. And I mean, essentially, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it sounds like essentially in a similar fashion of how these models are working to generate content and understand language by being trained on these different data sets. You're training it on box A, human generated, box B, and then allowing it to learn from those two different data sets and then distinguish like which one it would fall into. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Detectors fall into three camps and some of them all use a combination of different detectors. So there can be a bag of words approach is sort of one type of detector where it will say, or one feature that you can add into a detector to try and help a detector identify the difference. And so you could say, and under the bag of word approach, A detectors often use commas or often have a sentence structure of X or a readability score of this range. And that worked very well on like GPT-2 type content where the output range was fairly narrow. And they would always have the similar readability, similar grammatical structure. You know, now that we're at like GPT-4 and similar from other companies, you can ask it to produce a really kind of any range of type of content and it will follow that structure. 
And so that has made so the bag of word features being added into detectors less effective. The second kind is when you use an existing language model and you sort of ask it, how surprised are you at the next word? And so the same way that a AI writer will use the cat and then what's the probability that the next word is ran, jumped, um, played. You know, there's only so many words that will be next in after the cat and then what's the next word. And then there's this sort of linear probabilistic model where it looks at What's the chance that the next word was the word that we thought it would be? If I'm a large language model, that is a one type of detector that, or one feature that's added in as a layer for other detectors. And so if there's an entire article where that language model says, basically, I'm incredibly surprised at every one of the next words, I would never have predicted those, then there's a good chance that that is human. Whereas if each of the next words had a high probability of showing up based on that language model, then there's a much better chance that that text is is human generated. And then there's the third model, which is what I described around the fine tuning of an existing AI model, where you feed it the two types of content, and then identify the difference between the two. And then you can overlay sort of any of those three models in any combination to be able to detect the type of content that you're wanting to detect. So in the case of originality, we focus on identifying web content is sort of our specialty. And so we don't worry about old English. We don't worry about academia, research papers. It's, you know, what is the type of content that exists on the web? And then building data sets that most closely relate to the type of content that our end users will be using. And that makes us less accurate at times on old English content or poems or hardcore research papers. But when it comes to sort of the published web content, that's where we really focused our training data sets around that type of content. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. I could see in certain situations why maybe, like, yeah, maybe if you're working within a university and you're reviewing application essays, maybe that has a different purpose. But I guess within this, you know, content marketing SEO world, I would see that advantage that you're describing to like your approach. What are some of like, 
in your experience, like the most common applications of this technology that marketers are using? So the big one, and the, the reason that we created it is, I think SEOs are comfortable and content marketers are also, but I think SEOs especially are very comfortable living in the world of ambiguity. That's, you know, we don't have a, an exact rule to follow. It's kind of test and test and play and learn sort of approach within SEO. And so a lot of people are comfortable with testing AI generated content, but also not comfortable to sort of risking the entire site on just spamming a site with AI generated content. And so that was kind of really my own personal sort of desire for this tool was I'm happy to pay a writer, you know, whether it might be a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, you know, depends on the, the situation. I'm really not happy to pay someone that amount of money to copy and paste from ChatGPT. If we're going to use AI generated content on my site, and I'm the one buying that content, I want to be the one that extracts the value that we have saved as a result of using that tool. And so if that's if I'm accepting that risk, I also want to receive the benefit. I think there's sort of, you know, use AI or don't use AI. I think there's no question that if it was the exact same cost and the exact same quality, people would choose the perceived less risky option of human content, not AI content on a site. Valid reasons for both. But the sort of ensuring that you're publishing content that matches the sort of risk profile that you're deciding is the main use case within the world of, of SEO and content marketing. And in some of these situations where it's not entirely one or the other, and so maybe it's like whether it's starting from something original that then is going in to one of these tools, like how do the systems work in those detections? Is it giving like percentage of usage or like how would that blended usage show up in detection tool? So the way that the tool represents a number gives the probability that the content was AI generated or human generated. So it gives an overall score and then it highlights sentence by sentence what the probability of each sentence was. The larger the group body of text, the more accurate the detector is. And so the overall score is sort of tested at an accuracy rate of sort of 99% accurate, 2.5% false positive, depending on the type of content. That's the overall score. The highlighting score gets less accurate because it's a much smaller block of text. That's what you see when you run the scan. And then when in the second part of the question with the, how does it work with blended? What we're finding is that if any AI touches an article, the, our AI predicts that, that article was AI generated. So even if sort of AI was used for a small section of an article, it will still ident call, identify that article as yes, AI was used to create a portion of this article. So in cases where it's blended, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but the in that case, the kind of control of, okay, an editor saying, yes, this content meets our specs. We know you used AI. We're okay with you using AI and the article is good and we're happy to publish it. Then that's sort of the approach for blended copy. It's interesting too. I was talking to a friend of mine that's a writer and he was creating some content and he was using the approach of using it as a tool and had used it for, you know, the first part more of like, first draft outline and then was adding to it and, you know, adjusting some stuff. And he was telling me of how it got flagged and how he was having to like kind of walk through like, yeah, but I used it in this manner. And so I think that sounds, yeah, fairly similar. Maybe they're using your guys' product as well. So false positive. So that, that experience that that writer had, 
I mean, in that case, I think the tool correctly worked to say that, yeah, you used AI, let's understand how you used it and, and carry on. We have a Chrome extension that's that's free that takes basically all the revision data that exists behind a Google document and then turns that into a visualization so somebody can actually watch as the writer wrote. And so if you get something where the AI detector says, yeah, high probability of AI, and the writer says, but it's nuanced, you can actually watch the creation of that document to then really sort of understand that creation process compared to, in your friend's case, like, oh, that, that's reasonable. I see, I see what you did here. I see the outline. I see you adding in your edits. You worked on this over a three-hour period. You know, this is a true cyborg of AI and human together. And there's other times where you see one writing environment for five minutes where it was copied, pasted, reformatted, and title added, and it gets 100% AI. You know, how you treat that article versus, you know, what your friend's article would have showed up would be very different. I can see a ton of value in that aspect in particular too, because I also share the same viewpoint where it's not good or bad. It's how it's being used. And I don't know, I would be in the mindset too, that it's like, Google's not looking at this or search engine isn't looking at this in a binary scale either. Like it's looking of how likely is this to be useful to the end user. And I think then a lot of the strong applications today is that blended usage. But that's such a wide range. And it's like, even if you're saying like, yes, it's okay to use AI, it's very difficult to determine or ensure that it's being used in that appropriate kind of blended way. And it's almost like as soon as, yeah, it's okay. Now it's like, yeah, I trust the person that they used it and how I instructed or no, I didn't. So I think that's an interesting approach there. Yeah, I agree. Maybe just kind of like wrapping this up. And I mean, I guess I shared my cards a little bit in like perspective of like how I think Google it's at this, but from your side and kind of coming off how like detection tools and how your company's product works, do you feel like Google is using something on their own end in that same manner? Or like, do you feel like this application is more from, you know, us as users from it? Like, do you feel like search engines are using these type of detection methodologies? I can say that I'm fairly confident that Google has the capability currently, and you know, certainly capable of having the capability. But there's one sort of data point that we sort of uncovered around a website that had applied to Google AdSense, received a rejection email back. One of the statements in the rejection letter was related to automated content. And all of their content on the site was all sort of long form written content, not sort of like automated content other than the use of AI. They unpublished all of the AI-generated articles that were on the site, reapplied, and the site got accepted. And so not direct proof, but the only change was the unpublishing of AI-generated content. The site got rejected, unpublished the AI-generated content, reapplied, and Google AdSense approved it. So I think there's a pretty good chance that Google already has the technology. And if they're using it on their sort of approval process within AdSense, what's the chance that they'd be using it within search? And I think to your point, they're not taking it as, as a binary approach, but they're taking it as a signal. That's what, you know, I think that's what Google does. It's, oh, you have the most backlinks. We're going to rank you first. So, you know, no, it's one factor. Are you this keyword on your page the most times? Used to work. And now it's a, it's a signal that, okay, you've talked about SEO podcast, a bunch on this site, good indication. It's a signal that that's, 
And so I think my answer is that I think, yes, Google has the technology and they're probably applying it in a reasonable way as a signal that it should be considered as potential spam if it is identified as AI-generated content, because I think that is that is reasonable. I think most spam out there right now is AI-generated content. I don't think you're paying writers sort of bottom basement rates to have them create crappy articles compared to paying a VA almost, you know, an hourly rate to produce an, an amazing amount of content or, or no VA in the system and just connecting. So I think, you know, if you're spamming the internet, you're going to be using AI-generated content. And so if it is identified as AI-generated content, then that is likely a spam signal to be refuted by other means if it deserves to be. And I think to just bring it back around is like, it's so contextual in the sense of like, what else is ranking for that term? Like if it's in a particular query, like earlier in the conversation, you made the comment about like within finance on like a ticker of how a stock's been performing and every single, I mean, let's go on the extreme (laughs) extrapolate here. Every single website or every single article is using that similar type of AI generated content. It's pretty hard to penalize every single one, or if it's in an area that has that high need and there's only a couple that are using it that aren't offering anything net new or useful, then it's like, yeah, there probably is going to be a significant impact. Yeah, agreed. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thanks again to Jonathan Gillum, founder and CEO of Originality.ai for joining us. In part two of this interview, which will be published tomorrow, Jonathan and I are going to continue the discussion and we're going to talk about trustworthiness of reviews in a generative AI era. If you can't wait until the next episode and you'd like to learn more about Jonathan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in their show notes or visit his company's website at originality.ai. Okay, thanks to Tyson Stockton, our guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with Tyson, you can find a link to their LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact them on Twitter. Tyson's handle is Tyson underscore Stockton. Or if your team is interested in SEO consulting or organizational education, you can always head to their company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. But that's not the case anymore, thanks to Ahrefs. Because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. 
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to VoicesOfSearch.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Thank you.